0: This editorially independent podcast is supported by Visit
1: Flanders. You have not been in Poperingen if you did not taste a Poperinga Hommel beer. It's as simple as that. That is something 100% true blood popperinge. With all due respect for the other uh, breweries and the other beers, but the Poperinga beer is the Hummel beer.
0: That's Luc de Quitt. He knows a little bit about Poperinga and what people there think of its beers. Luc was the head of tourism in Poperinga between 1983 and 2013. He told me that the true beer of Poperinga was the Poperingse Hummel beer. A Belgian strong golden ale of 7.5% ABV produced by Le Roi Breweries. The beer has got a, a fermentation profile reminiscent of black pepper, cumin, zesty orange and ripe pears with notes of honey deriving from both its malt and yeast. Poperinga is a city in the northwestern reaches of Belgium in a region known as the Westhoek. Hook means corner. It's a place with a diverse range of breweries. Think, among others, Trappist Westfleterden, De Struise, Kazemanten, Deka, St. Bernardus, Van de Walle, and De Plucker. It's also known for its hop farms. But is it really the hop region of the country? That's a pretty big claim in a beer nation like Belgium. And is the Poperingse Hummel beer really the one beer that best represents the region? My name is Brendan Kearney, and you're listening to the Belgian Smack Podcast. 1. Hop Queens. Hello, Aline. Aline, hi, it's Brandon. Hey. Hi. Um, yeah, we, we try first in English.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean see uh, if it'll uh, cool. go.
0: And do, did you learn English in school?
2: Oh, a little bit, but uh, yeah. Um, it's not too much.
0: <laughs> this is Eline Rossell from Boparinga. She combines working in her own family's hop fields on the Watusuach with her job as an agricultural consultant for Stad Boparinga. Your family is a farming family.
2: Yes, um, I'm the daughter of a hopfen uh, uh, yeah. Gr-
0: grower, hopfen farmer. Yeah, yeah. So, was your family your 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 mother and father? Did they always grow hops or is it a new, a new job?
2: Uh, Always. So when uh, my father began, um, he started with hops.
0: So did did his father before him grow hops or did he start?
2: Um, His father uh, grew hops, um, but in another farmer. And uh, my father bought a a farm um, at the other location. Uh, the Watu yes,
0: yeah. and that's where you live. yes so you have and do your do you have some brothers and sisters?
2: Yes, I have uh, one sister and one brother.
0: And do they also help with the farm?
2: <laughs> yes, and my brother is uh, three years ago um stopped with school and now he helps with my uh, with my father.
0: okay, so you and, w- and your sisters?
2: My sister is a uh, um, fifteen, so uh, yeah, she she goes uh, to the school, but she uh, helps also.
0: So you work during the day with the the desk in the and you also help uh, with the family farm sometimes at, at harvest.
2: Yeah, yes. After my house, uh, I go to the farm uh, and I help with them.
0: So. Aline worked with several government agencies to develop a mark which could be added by breweries to labels of beers which use Belgian hops in their beer. Batches of hops come with a serial number, and breweries can submit that serial number with information about the beer for permission to use the mark. Aline maintains the roster, so I'm hoping to find out what hop varieties from which farms go into which Belgian beers. Um. And if I write about some of these beers from the breweries, is it possible for me to find out where the hops come from in the region, like which farm?
2: Yes, uh, for me is it possible that uh, um, I have uh, some code uh, from the hops and then I can see where the hops uh, comes from, from, come from which
0: farmers. Um, so if I, if I ask you for a beer, you can tell me in the beer where the hops come from?
2: Uh, yes, but, uh, yeah, um, I have, um, an, um, privacy, com privacy. I cannot not oh, yeah, you. yeah, you cannot it, tell
3: me,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, which sort of, uh, of variety the hops, uh, and, but I I, um, pit,
0: I understand. Uh, you can't tell me the variety or the type of hop, but you, can you tell yeah. me the form? Oh, that, um, I, um,
2: um, I should ask that.
0: So Aline won't share details due to agreements with the breweries relating to privacy. And the breweries won't tell me which farms they're working with, never mind the hop varieties they're using in the beer. And the farms themselves often don't know where their hops are used, especially if they're having the hops pelletized somewhere or where they work with a cooperative who sells their hops on their behalf. None of this is suspicious or irregular, it's just a really good example of communication in Belgian beer. Anyway, the marker logo is designed to appeal especially to Belgian drinkers, who are proud of their hop growers. Almost immediately when it was created, uh, Le Roy Breweries adopted the Belgian hop logo on the labels of Popperigse Hommelbeer. Today a total of 58 breweries in Belgium use the seal on 214 different beers. Eileen arranges a visit for me to a Poperinga hop farmer
4: so I can see the harvest for myself. And,
0: and which variety are you, uh, you debining here?
4: Uh, we are now picking Pilgrim. Pilgrim? Pilgrim. It's a, a, a typical uh, uh, British uh, dual purpose hops. Uh, I, I mean, it's aroma hop and bitter hop yeah, together. Yeah, like dual
0: purpose. Yeah. Yeah, the dual and purpose. How, how many like, different varieties are you growing
4: here? We, we have actually early hops start picking in the beginning of September, Phoenix. Then we have our late varieties, like a pilgrim or, or a challenger. And then still we have a late one, that's the target. Okay.
0: This is in Carlo Bovertz, a hop farmer on the St. Straat in Poperinghe.
4: We Yes, we have followed the, that, that there was a demand for more aroma hops. But it's always the same. Everyone does the same changing, and then we have some too much. Okay. So and then the price for alpha hops going better now than the hops. So that sometimes follow uh, you can follow the market. Of you can run behind the market. That's uh, dangerous.
0: But it, it, you know it takes a few seasons, I guess, to, to, sure. to generate a new,
4: a new variety. Sure, it takes three years for a full uh, uh, crop, for, for 100% good yields. Yeah. And that makes it difficult, you know. Yeah. And, and, and on the other hand, we have the
0: weather conditions... The mild maritime climate and fertile soil in the West Hook have traditionally been ideal for growing hops. Hops are the flowers of the hop plant Humulus lupulus, used as a bittering, flavouring and stability agent in beer with the ability to impart floral, fruity or citrus flavours and aromas. Hops are vigorous climbers, trained to grow up vines which are most commonly harvested in Belgium in September. They are one of the main ingredients in almost every beer. There are 35 hop growers in Belgium, cultivating 184 hectares of hops 25 hectares in Wallonia and 159 hectares in Flanders. Of those cultivated in Flanders, 136 hectares are grown around the outskirts of the city of Poperinga by a tight knit community of 16 hop growers. In short, hop growers in Poperinga deliver three quarters of the country's hops. To grow hops, is to no hardship. Climate change has resulted in periods of drought in the summer and wild storms in the winter, many of which have ripped down hop vines and destroyed annual yields. In August past, for the second time in three years, a storm completely destroyed one of the hop fields of Buperinga grower Yoras Kambi. Mother Nature 2, Hop Farm Nil, wrote Kambi in a tweet. Poperinga hop farmers, like Gatalo, are self-admittedly stubborn and they're well-suited in character to overcome. Many have already changed their entire business after breweries stopped demanding the varieties of bittering hops which took up most of their crop and started demanding aroma hops. Things always change again. The West took recently received a European grant as part of a rural development programme to preserve the Belgian hop area and f- help further promote the purchase of Belgian hops by Belgian breweries. Some of those funds are earmarked for developing the Westhoek's very own hop variety, one which Aline told me might reflect the characteristics of old Belgian hop varieties which have all but disappeared.
3: There's a well-known
0: story about the friendly rivalry that exists between the two main cities of the Westhoek, Boperinge and Iper. It's a rivalry that dates back to the 14th century, when politics forced a division of commercial activities. Yper were exclusively permitted by authorities to work in the lucrative industry of linen production. Looking for alternatives, the inhabitants of Poperinga took to hop farming, even though it offered less opportunity for wealth. Because of their stubborn nature to make hop growing work, Inhabitants of Poperinga became known as gay koppen or hard heads. It's a term still used to describe Poperingers today. And did you grow up in in the yes. region?
1: Yes, I'm so born born and raised Poperinga, One hundred percent. In Poperinga, yeah. One hundred percent. Yep. You're a you're a, a, a K cop. Definitely. I'm a stubborn, big headed guy.
0: So this is Luc de Quit again, the former head of tourism in Poperinga between nineteen eighty three and two thousand
1: and thirteen. You have not been in Popperinge if you did not taste a Popperinge hommel beer. It's as simple as that. That is something 100% true blood Popperinge. With all due respect for the other uh, breweries and the other beers, but the Popperinge beer is the hommel beer.
0: I think it even has on the name, it's it's actually called Popperings Hommelbeer, its yeah, full it, title.
1: It, it, it refers specifically, I mean, that's why they chose the name not just Beer, but Popperings Hommelbeer, which automatically makes the connection to Popperingen, eh? meaning, okay, it's a beer that is brewed and made and originated in Popperingen.
0: I'm asking him about. Also,
1: the label, also the label, was designed by a local, uh, by a local artist. It shows a hop garden, a hop field, and the skyline of poppering the three, uh, the three church uh, spires.
0: And and can you explain for people that wouldn't know what Hummel means why it's relevant to hops? Uh,
1: Hummel is the 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 dialect. Word that we use uh, for hops. I mean, hops in Dutch means hop, H-O-P, but in the uh, local lingo, it uh, we refer to it as a homel because, as you know, every plant uh, has a Latin name, and the Latin name for hops is Humulus lupulus. So Humulus, uh, hence the connect, the relation with with, with homel, I mean.
0: Luke tells me about a festival in the city which takes place every three years called the Poperinga Hop and Beer Festival, which puts hops at the center of everything for the people there. In uh,
1: 1956, and then changed over to a triennial, meaning every third year event in uh, 1960, and also the program and especially things in the... uh, It became a festival that lasted three days. I mean, it starts traditionally... On the Friday night in the marquee, with what is called the twinning evening, because of the hop culture, the town of Popering is twinned, has an official partnership with two other main hop growing areas in Europe, meaning Bolmsach in Bavaria, uh, southern Germany, not too far away from Munich, and then another town called Sotich in the uh, Czech Republic. Then the uh, second evening, uh, or the the next day, which is the Saturday in the afternoon, nowadays is in most of the cases a uh, musical tattoo uh, with the various bands, uh, the the poppering band, the German band, a few hired extra bands. Then in the evening we have the uh, Hop Queen election. What what does a Hop Queen? What's the qualifications for being a Hop Queen? Well, uh, in in the beginning, originally uh, they. The girls competing had to be all daughters of local hop growers Uh, But nowadays in the more modern version they switched over that uh, If you want to enter the competition you need to be a trio uh, and you have uh, Three girls have to uh, join forces and they have to make up their minds uh, when they enter uh, who in who of those three? Who will be the queen? And the other two are then the, the first and the second maid of honor, uh, and they mainly come from the youth associations now here in uh, town. Uh, whether that is the some uh, youth associations like the scouts or girl guides and stuff like that, they supply the uh, they supply the queen. the trios are tested on their knowledge of the area in general, the history, a bit on the hop and beer culture. And there are also a few practical tests they have to uh, perform in the uh, in the marquee, of course. And then the marquee is actually fully loaded. I mean, it, it can hold about 3,000 people. Well, there are at least 3,000 in there. And uh, You take my word from, from it because... I live just opposite the where the marquee is in that square. I mean, and it's like all hell breaks loose.
0: And um, the test that you mentioned, what, what, what? Tell me a little bit more about the test that those those kind of candidates have to go
1: through. There's a uh, a kind of a, an exam uh, which is done behind uh, closed doors. That is not in the marquee. They're done in the marquee. That's in the uh, afternoon. But uh, in uh, the evening in the marquee itself, one of the items for example is uh, uh, introducing themselves uh, to the audience. Um, who are who are we? Why did we enter the competition? What are our aims? Uh, what will we do? Uh, in case that we are ele- uh, selected uh, there's a hop uh, picking competition. I mean, uh, within like, for example, 10 minutes they have to pick as many hops as possible, but in a proper neat way. That means only the hop cones, not stems and leaves, etc., etc. Those are a few uh, items uh, or a few examples of practical tests that they have to uh, go through.
0: Is there any... Um, is there between, any? Kind of-, of course,
1: there are musical performances, bands playing uh, but all modern style, not the typical... I mean, for a Saturday night is for the youngsters, definitely. I mean, it's uh, hip-hop and R&B and what have you.
0: And is there is there uh, any uh, element of beer knowledge for, for the, the Hop Queen hopefuls? Uh,
1: yes, they have to, uh, for example, there's a kind of a, a blind testing where they have to sample, uh, for example, three or four beers and the, the question is uh, which one is the Hummel beer or which one is the St. Bernardus 12 degrees, for example. I mean, it's, it's very basic, knowledge. they don't have to be experts, but at least they have to know a bit uh, what local beers taste like.
0: So this hop and beer festival sounds interesting. And it's got this weird, archaic, kind of agricultural show meets beauty contest, where the contestants pick hops and taste beer and vie for election in a packed marquee tent. There's a vibe from it, not unlike the lovely girls competition in Father Ted. So I thought I should ask Eline Rossell, the local hop farmer and the city's agricultural consultant, what she thinks of this hop queen competition. It's every three years. Normally it's this year, but because of COVID, it's cancelled. Um, yeah. Like, do you have you been to have you been to that festival the last few times?
2: Yes, yes, and I have there uh, go. Since I was a baby. So. Uh
0: <laughs> and there's a there's a pageant, I think.
2: And what and?
0: Uh, it's like you have a, 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 a an election of a hop queen.
2: Ah yeah 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 yes. And uh, six years ago, I uh, I um, uh, put me forward as a candidate. For, yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And did you did you win?
2: No, I was uh, the second.
0: <laughs> you were second. Who who beat you? Yeah. What? Who, who who was first?
2: Uh, someone uh, of the um, an, uh, other... Um, group. Uh, yes, group. Yeah, I was a um, um, daughter of a hop uh, farmer, and she is not a daughter of a hop farmer. And for me, that's not a really, yeah.
0: Fair, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you should have won. Yeah. <laughs> and what what does the winner get? What's 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 the prize?
2: Um, she has uh, a travel to uh, New York, yes.
0: To New York? Wow. Yeah, yeah. But, um, wow. What, what, for what? Just a, a holiday, vacancy? Yes, vacancy. Wow. With 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 her parents or with her friends?
2: Normal, um, here in uh, um you are a queen and you have um, two other people who help you. Just, so there are a team with three. Uh, people yeah. and uh, with
0: the three they travel uh, to New York. Okay so Poperinghe is a place where hop farmers take over the city every three years and where the K-Koppen a Hop Queen. But what about the Hommelbier? Le Roi Breweries who produce the Hommelbeer operate two facilities at two different sites. Brouwery van Eke is in Watu just outside Poperinghe, and Brouwery Het is in Bozingen just outside Yper. Hummelbeer is now competing with Leroy's SAS Premium Pills, that's a 5% ABV lager, to be the brewery's most important beer. Leroy also produces a number of legacy products at the Businga facility, which have been in their portfolio for decades, including low-alcohol table beers, which in previous generations were popular as an accompaniment to family meals. I want to hear from another brewer about the Hummelbeer. Someone who's from the region. So I call Hans van der Putte, who is a chemical engineer from Bozenge, where Le Roaz's sauce facility is located. Hans has a small brewing system at his home, but his brand of Bater beers is brewed at Brauerei Utropius.
5: For for me. Personally, uh, I'm, I'm originally from Bussingen, so I've known uh, Sasspils or the Leroy breweries as it is now. Uh, I know it already my whole life, and all the cafes in in Bussingen and, and in the region are all Sasspils uh, uh, cafes. And also, yeah, the Hommel beer is, is, is very famous, uh, very famous of them. Um, so, so that's that's already quite a big uh, brewery with a very far history. I think they started somewhere in the 1700s or so uh, but actually sauce pills um, uh, sticks to its its original uh, recipe more or less they, they don't go sweeter as it, as it, as it is needed. Um, they are quite, um, hoppy. They're, they're, they're a little bit more bitter than than other than other pilses. It's 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 really the old recipe that that they use, and they don't. Uh, I they don't want to go sweeter than 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 it has to be. And some people, of course, don't like that because people are, people are used to to a lot of of sweetiness nowadays. But but I think it, it's nice that they they. Don't compromise that they that they just make a, make a, a, a bitter pills like like it should be. They were a little bit slow to to acknowledge that there was suddenly a whole new beer culture with with homebrewers and people like me and, and and third party breweries and and IPAs and I uh, had the whole the whole brewery scene drastically changed uh, in in the last 15 years. Uh, and and I think now now they they realize that that they really have a history that they are real breweries, uh, which I can only be jealous of uh, and and I think they now realize that they have to emphasize their 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 history their 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 uh, patrimonium they have the yeah so so indeed, yeah, they are changing names and, and and indeed it's good that they do that. We we, we have to be proud on, on these on these historical monuments almost like, like Rodenbach or something or or or, or Saspils or or uh, o, uh, Omer and, and Bavik. That that's 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 great that, that, that you can say your, your brewery is more than hundred years old, eh?
0: As the conversation continues it turns out that Hans has actually worked for a period when he was younger for La Breweries. He worked at the sauce facility in Businge, in the village he's from.
5: Uh, yeah, I actually uh, applied for a job uh, as an engineer, of course. Uh, but they had already an engineer, but they said, OK, we, we really need someone to help us in, in the brewery, and then you can get to know the 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 brewery from the inside. Uh, but I was actually doing, yeah, these kind of things you say. I was uh, cleaning a lot the the mash tank, uh, so that was really a, a disaster to do. Sometimes it's really really hot in there, and and
0: it's hard work. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah that that was quite hard work, and the, it was still in the the copper, really copper uh, copper vessels they have still. Um, but but yeah, it, it was it was hard work, and I also went a lot with the South. Still, have has a, a lot of uh, trucks driving around and, and delivering at home and, and so on, and, and all the cafes they have. Uh, so I was I was working uh, I was working there also a lot, bringing all the beer to the to the very small cafes. Uh, it was it was quite a nice it was quite a nice period. I I learned a lot of. Of how a brewery works because I was always introduced in in one part. Uh, sometimes it was the brewing itself. Sometimes I had to help in the in the 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 bottle the bottle line. Sometimes I had to 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 drive around with the with the with the trucks. So uh, so I I learned a lot, but it was not really. Yeah, it was not really to do it a long time. I really wanted to do something in the research and in chemistry, of course. Uh, and then after a few months, yeah, we both felt that that's okay. Yeah, I had to move on, and they also had less work. And 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 then yeah, it it, it was finished for a while with the with the beer. The,
0: the Hummel is, you know, everyone I speak to in the West talks about the Hummel beer as popering. So Hummel it's it's certainly you know there's a claim on it as the beer of the region um is is that just good marketing and distribution or is there something about the beer you think that does make it a good a good representation and a good sort of drinking beer for for the people in the area
5: well um First of all, I think it's it's quite unique. Uh, people are nowadays putting a lot of hops in their beer, and it's it's always uh, it's always American. Uh, I also have my own uh, soft IPA, but um, but but they already used far before there was talked about uh, IPAs and so on in the region. Uh, IPAs didn't exist ten years ago. Let's say uh, they already had a beer with with a lot of uh, ho- uh, hops in it from from Poperingue, and these are really the the classic hops. Eh? I don't know what they what they use, but but they they don't use hops that that give a lot of fruitiness. Uh, I assume that that they use something like Hallertau or something. I, I'm not sure. Eh? I'm just I'm just thinking, but but uh, but but yeah it's 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 quite a dry beer and uh, not too much too much uh, sh- sugar in it. it it's once again it's once again uh, sauce spills as as we as we know it eh? uh, um, but yeah for some people you have to like it it, it has quite some bitterness of course Uh uh, it's dry hopped which is not always accepted by by everybody but but yeah it's, it's a very drinkable beer it's seven percent of alcohol it's uh, uh, and and i think it's it's quite unique um, you don't have that many beers that just use a lot of of hops in it but the classical hops so for me for me indeed uh hommel is, is is really is, is really something something special and i don't i i I, I think that they even do not uh, commercialize it enough, uh, sauspils. But maybe it's now better. But uh, the, the marketing around it. But 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 in the past, there uh, it was just one of their beers, and they didn't make it more special than it was. But but I think they can. They they have really something something unique there.
0: Okay, so Hamel beer is unique according to Hans. I mean, it certainly seems to have a reputation among locals in the Westhook. So maybe maybe it is the beer of the region? I think it's time to visit Leroy and talk to the people that produce it. Part 2. Legacy you do many tours? No. No. <laughs> You're the
3: technical guy, right? I'm the technical yeah. I do everything production-wise. Uh, so that's why Bruno asked me to, yeah, take me right. to give you the tour.
0: This is Karel Leroy. He's talking to me in the Buzinger brew house at the Hutzas facility, as we stand socially distanced between the old copper kettles, which they still use. Karel is 30 years old. He's tall, with dark hair, and he's very laid back. His younger brother is called Bruno, Bruno's 26. Garel and Bruno are the 11th generation of the Le to make and sell beer in the Westhoek. The family business started in 1572 at the Loch in Bozinga, a short section of the village's canal Used for raising and lowering boats with gates at each end which could be opened or closed to change the water level. The Dutch word for lock is sas, and the brewery that was born there became known as Brawarihut Sas. Brawery van Eke opened in 1624 as a castle brewery for the Count of Watu, and the Leroy family bought Van Eke in 1962. Then in 2016, the family combined Van Eke in one company with Hutzas. They named the new company Le Roy Breweries. And did you did you study brewing in, in Ghent or somewhere? Yeah, in uh, St. Lieven. St. Lieven, yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, my grandfather studied there too, so okay. it was a bit obvious to go there.
0: <laughs> and did you do, work anywhere else before rejoining the family?
3: No, no. Um, because the, the shares of the, of the, the brewery mm-hmm. were divided between my father and my uncle. My father said, before you start working here, we have to do something about that. We have to, to make sure the shares are, are together again. Otherwise, in, in, in this gen- generation, it's two people. Next generation, yes. my father has three children, uh, my uncle has three children, so it's already six. And then, if everybody has two children, it's 12, and it, it, it goes on. So um, that's why my father wanted to, to arrange that. And it went faster than he thought. And my uncle was the one who did production and everything here. So, so you're when everything doing commercial was, stuff? yeah, yeah uh, and the uh, financial part. Um, so suddenly, yeah, everything was arranged. and. and yeah, we needed somebody new to do production so so I came in and, and, and started doing the production side. Hen- Hendrik? Hendrik, yeah
0: so were you able to talk with him a little bit before he left? yeah, 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 time, yeah. so that you could get some of the historic information about
3: yeah, him, yeah. the equipment and everything? Yeah, yeah yeah. I still see him uh, every week so uh, okay. he still has some, some input
0: Yeah. Did, did someone
3: tell me that
0: um, Leroy is the second oldest brewery in
3: Belgium? Uh, so second know. oldest, f- still family owned brewery. Still family
0: owned, yeah. yeah. Roman, is, is, Roman is,
3: is like 30 years older than we are. Yeah. I think they, they date back to 1548 or
0: something like that. And your date is like 15... 72, 72. Uh, okay. They
3: beat us with 30 years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our most staff local, like Iper Bozingen? One, yeah,
3: we uh, we mainly recruit hyper oh, yeah. yeah. uh, for two reasons. Uh, first of all, yeah. small village. If you if you need people, it's easier if, if they are around the brewery. Um, and uh, second point. Uh, People associate more with the brewery when they are close. Um, that's something we see that the further away the employee lives, the, the less, I wouldn't say motivated, but the less uh, connect, connection, yeah.
0: I ask about beer in particular which varieties they use. And I guess the varieties for beer and well, maybe the lager is different because you go for something Czech or German.
3: We go partly uh, German and partly Popering. hops from Popring.
5: So it's like Hallertau.
0: Yeah. And black.
3: Like uh, the lager, it's only a Hallertau from Popring. Yeah. yeah. And for the Himmelbiert, which
0: is the beer of the hop region, yeah. It's it's you have new additions, now. I think one is dry hops. And one is like a fresh hop, which is done in harvest. But for the the standard Hummelbeer, you're using, I guess, hops from the region. Do you have like a bittering and an aroma hop, two two different varieties?
3: Uh, In Hummelbeer, we use four different varieties. Ah,
0: And all old English varieties, like Goldings and and Challenger? Yeah. Yeah. And for the dry hop version, which which
3: hub do you use? Because you want something high in oil? Uh, I have to... It's one of the hubs that we use in the brew house. So we actually brew it, we, we actually use it twice. Yeah. yeah. And for the fresh harvest, we use the same Variety, but varieties, but fresh. the fresh version, yeah.
0: I ask a few more times, but they don't seem to want to tell me which four varieties they use exactly. It's very Belgian. I'm used to it at this stage. It's likely to be those most commonly grown around Poperinga. So that would be Goldings, Target, Magnum, Challenger, Haraldau, Pilgrim, maybe Fuggles. I'm not sure. But whatever about the varieties, is there a considered philosophy on how they use hops, being from the hop-growing region and all, or is it all projected by drinkers of beer and pills?
3: It's of course different with the whole IPA um, hype to, to tell that your beers are uh, bitter because uh, it's the, the, the term bitter has a new meaning now. It's, it's yeah. Um, but in our beers, you normally have uh, a certain bitterness because of the, the hops region that we, uh, that, that we are close at. Um, and yeah, bitterness is one of the main um, characteristics of hop. Uh, so our lager, for example, has, in my opinion, more bitterness than the standard lager. Uh, yeah. even, even the rouge that we made last year has a little touch of bitterness.
0: So, I mean, if you have a lot of cafes here, it's us, see, in the region. Yeah. Does that mean that people here are more used to drinking a slightly more bitter, do
3: Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. On the other hand, it means that uh somebody who who is used to drinking um, yeah let's say one of the, a big brand from leuven um, <laughs> uh, may appreciate our lager less than somebody who is used to drinking our lager
0: because they find half the veterans better to present yeah
3: Uh, But on the other hand, okay, our lager has a, a little more bitterness. It's not that it's too much. It's, yeah, difficult to explain.
0: Carol takes me on a tour of the fermenting and conditioning rooms and the bottling hall and their depot, where they store beer from other breweries for distributing with their own beer in their own trucks to the 30 cafes they own themselves in the region. The family has been doing it that way for generations. So, what's it like working with your brother and your and your dad? Uh,
3: well, you always have two sides. Uh, on the one hand, it's it's yeah, it's it's fun. It goes, yeah, it goes faster because we know each other. And on the other hand. If you have a different vision, <laughs> uh, but but it's it's uh, it's nice and it's it's uh, yeah. I can't say it's fun because it still works. But yeah, sure. Um,
0: it's your it's your business as well, I guess. Yeah, you have to think about your own future.
3: Yeah, we have each each morning. Uh, our, uh, our meeting at seven, here here at the table with a, with a cup of coffee. Yes. And then uh, in the afternoon, um, oh, okay. in the afternoon uh, after five, we do our last meeting in a bar somewhere. And we call it meeting or uh, visiting clients. Yeah, yeah. We don't call it beer drinking in a bar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so at this point, I'm passed off to Bruno, who shares a Hummel beer with me and starts by talking about his childhood in the brewery and his grandmother, who ran the place.
6: Actually, until her last day, she sat on on her desk and still was giving orders and stuff like that. So I've known her in the brewery. What was her name? Um, Alice. Uh, Alice de So she was kind of around when you were... um
0: yeah, when you were growing up yeah. around the brewery. yeah, And like yeah. as a kid, can you remember, you know, your grandmother and your your father kind of being busy? Or
6: was it something
0: just outside your experience because you uh, were
6: so young? No, actually every holiday that we had, I was in the brewery. Um, when we had a day off of school in the middle of the week, yeah, my parents both worked. So then I sat at the kitchen table with some Legos and some yeah, books to, to call it. And yeah, then I would run into the, the, the bureaus where the um, where my grandmother sat and some um, some other people who were doing uh, paperwork. And yeah, I was used to it. That's that was normal situation for me because I've always seen that. Um, and then yeah, my father passed by and did some yeah, because his desk was um, where mine is now. So that's next to here. You have the whole hallway. And next to that, you have now a desk of Carl and me and our export manager. Um, his desk was over there, so I ran a bit around from the desk where my grandmother sat, to my father, to go yeah, into the, 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 the production site and everything. Um, that was normal for me. I was a six-year-old kid who was like, all right, that's the brewery. Not special for me. I'm used to it. Uh, I ran around and just have to watch out for... Uh, forklifts and <laughs> trucks. <laughs> but next to that, yeah, I was I was used to it.
0: And I mean, you, you know, you're, you're in the brewery now. Um, is, is it something that when you were younger that you thought, oh, I, I, w- I really want to work in the family brewery? Or did you think, no, I want to go off and do something else?
6: Well, I've always wanted to do it. Uh, our parents didn't pressure us at all to do it. Um, during my studies, they've asked a couple of times, would you like to do it? If not, no problem. But we need to know because the, the my father took over half the part of my of my uncle. So they, they asked yeah, do you want to do it? Then we will buy them out. If not, we'll look for another solution. Um, so they never pressured us. But it was I think about in high school third third or fourth year. Yeah. Then I realized all right, I want to do it. And yeah, my brother knew it. Yeah even earlier and then at the university it came more to me like all right I'm going to do it and when I took courses it was with this in mind yeah with that in mind and also yeah I've talked about it a couple times with my brother and it was like all right we each can do a different part it's not that we both did uh, sales studies uh, or yeah, or economic, so it's like
0: you don't step on each other's toes, then exactly because you have to think about working together in the long term. Yeah, I mean, do you ha- obviously, you know, the the relationship between brothers. I have three brothers. You know, yeah. it's it changes as you get older as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, luckily, do, do you guys? You're the younger brother as well. I guess I'm the youngest one. Yeah. Do, do, is there like a um,
6: you know a good rela- a good working relationship with you guys yeah. right now, or very good? And also with your father. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Of course, sometimes there, there's an arguments. It has to be like that. Uh, you can't always have the same opinion about everything. And we knew that coming in. But we always solve the problem. It can be like, all right, at a certain moment in time, it can be that we yell a bit at each other, all right? But then half an hour later, you can go to a pub together, drink a pint and just have fun or have a little meeting at the brewery and then afterwards yeah, talk about anything. So that makes it easier to be... Uh, the son of and the brother of because you know even if you have an argument your family yeah. so no one's going anywhere you're always together exactly yeah. um you can say what you want you know each other very well you know what you can say and what you can do um and that makes it actually easier to work with than if it would be uh, just a, a colleague actually yep and you know it, when you're coming into a situation like this where there's a long history yep.
0: and you know you see the, the family tree you have your great grandfather your great great grandfather your great 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 grandfather <laughs> it's just a long list of people who yep. have invested their lives in in you know making this brewery what it is today yep. is there like a pressure that oh I have to kind of live up to this or is it uh, you know because you know if you started a brewery today you, there would be certainly other challenges but you would have a freedom to do what you wanted yep
6: um we do have a history and that is something, you can't change history like that. So certain things are like, all right, we've been doing it, this for such a long time. We can't overthrow it totally and start up new. That's right. But on the other hand, it, it is, uh, that brings some pressure. Like, all right, we've done it for now, we're the 11th generation. So we've done it for that longer time. So we do have to keep going and to keep that history alive. So that brings some pressure with it, but it's also actually very nice to have that much of history, to be part of such a history of the story of the brewery. Um, And then also to think like, if you start up a brewery right now yourself, you're like, okay, uh, I'm 30 years now, so about in 30, 35 years, we'll see what happens then. For me, it's like, all right, we so have that much history. I want to be part of it. And that's in about 100 years, that's maybe our children's children or something like that. They're like, all right, and then they did that and they they changed stuff like that. And then Bruno did this. Yeah, to be part of the total history, to be, yeah, about yeah, to be in the history books. Yeah, of the yeah.
0: brewery. I asked Bruno about the origin story of
6: beer. So beer, and not even a lot of people in Belgium know it. Um, hummel in the Dutch word, Hummel, actually is a bee. So like, the like the
0: insect, yeah.
6: Yeah. Um, so a lot of people think, all oh, right, Pop- 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 Hummel beer. Oh, they put honey in it or stuff like that. It's it's linked to the, the insect actually not correct because Hummel is the dialect is local dialect for hops so it's actually hops beer and when you tell it to people in Belgium they're like oh alright we didn't know that
0: so the the like are people in other parts of Flanders for example in um, Limburg or Vlaams Brabant they are not that familiar with the West Flemish dialect
6: no and there are even a lot of people in There's Flanders who aren't who don't know that word because yeah, hops isn't a word that's used that frequently when you're not part of a brewery. So they just use the word hops and not the dialect word for it. Um so yeah, even people in Epers, if you tell us them like, right, the name is derived from the dialect word of hops. Oh, alright. We didn't know that. So it's always a nice, fun fact to to, to, um, tell to people. Then how it began, well, it's our most famous beer. And it's actually, it started out as a one-time thing for the Hopfest in Popering. They asked my grandfather, like, all right, we do it once every three years and every year they want something special. And in 1981... They were like, all right, couldn't you make a beer with all local hops? So all hops from Popering, especially for us. Now one time, grandfather was like, yeah, all right, why not? It would be a fun thing to do. Um, And then they made the Hummel beer for the first time with um, four different hops from Popering. They combined them and made Hummel beer. And everybody loved the beer that much. Then my grandfather was like, all right, why don't we keep it in uh, in our assortment? Because people like it that much. Maybe we can do something with it. And that's where Hummel beer began and is where it is now. And it's available all over the world.
0: The fact that Hommel is dialect for hops, but in Dutch means bumblebee, has actually been a problem for Leroy.
6: One that I had never even considered before. Some people who think that there's put honey in there they always say yeah yeah there's a honey touch in there as well and if you focus on the beer it's like "All right, I get where you're coming from it sort of has maybe a bit of a taste but well yeah if you think it's in there you will taste it Uh, but uh, it's also yeah, sweetness is not the right word but the bitterness that that could be something
0: also that comes from the malt character too you know exactly
6: yeah I mean, is that,
0: is that, has that been a, a kind of an issue where you you know people do think because of the name that, that it's a honey beer?
6: That's did you, uh, did you have to problem, combat
0: yeah. when you're marketing the beer? Yeah,
6: a bit. Of, yeah. So we're still we're still thinking how we can easily tell it to people. We can. Yeah. It would be hard to do a TV campaign. Like, all right, here's our story. Like, we made it, and it was amazing, but we don't have that kind of budget. Um, but that will explain to people but that's yeah, I think one of the only ways you can explain it to the people like alright that's where it comes from and now yeah, when we're in a bar we tell it to people and hope they tell it to other people but a real marketing campaign around the name we haven't done it yet and I don't know if we'll do it in the future uh, we can think about it but it's one of the things we can do with the beer because it has a lot of potential the conversation
0: turns to other Roi brands, in particular, their table
6: beer. Uh, so we still make it because we still profit from it. And yeah, we're a business, so if we don't earn one cent on it, we won't do it. Um, but because of a lot of breweries that quit making it, there's, all, there's a market for table beers and if you're with 20 on there, it's not viable. Now, if we're in Belgium, I think three or four who still make it. Um, yeah, each have their own part and you get something from it. Um, it's like you said, it's not that sexy of a beer. It's mostly drank by older people who are used to drinking it from when they were younger. It was pretty much the fir- with all of them the first beer that they drank when they were three, four, five years old. It was at the dinner table. All right, table beer was on the table just as there was a bottle of water. It was normal. Um, And now still in some families, more in the, the, the farmer circles, it's still done. That table beer at noon when they have lunch, there's a bottle of table beer there. But next to them is mostly old people. And that's where we had luck during the covid campaign if you had still had our ta- table beer because we mostly sell it in um uh hospitals and uh care homes, nursing care, homes. care homes exactly yeah um so and in those businesses yeah people still drank their beer so the sales there didn't go up didn't go down they're just equally um, except for our brown table beer that went up a bit and that's because we think it's because um, people who make uh, pre-made meals um, use it yeah to make the meals and during covid a lot of people they to eat at home they couldn't go out to eat so they bought pre, uh, pre-made meals to just eat up and stuff like that um and that's where we saw rice in our brown table beer. Um, also because uh, Imbev had some trouble with theirs. Uh, but that was in November, I think. Because they changed so- something about the beer. And it couldn't be used to make sauce anymore. The sauce didn't thicken anymore. Oh, okay. So we got uh, calls from got calls from a couple of, um, companies that make those pre-melt, pre-made pre meals for, um, then the Stoffelis. Stoffelis,
0: it's like Flemish stew. Yeah. yeah. For, with but you make uh, it with like beer as the main component for the sauce, yeah. but also with bread, which kind of disintegrates in the beer and mustard. Yeah. And then some people use like carrots and onions and things yeah. as well.
6: Exactly. And the sauce didn't thicken anymore when they used, uh, PMF. So we got a lot of calls, like, all right. So you had extra demand
0: then during that
6: time. Yeah, because, and we need it, and we need it actually now. (laughs) Because we're making it, and it doesn't work. Yeah. So then we already got a couple of calls. Now again, and, yeah, we hope that we we can keep it up. Because, yeah, it's the table beer in volume is the biggest beer that we sell. Okay. So, yeah, it's. One-fifth of what we brew, one, yeah, one-fifth at least, maybe one-fourth even, of what we brew is table beer. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay, so during the COVID pandemic, when Leroy had to shut down all their bars and lost all their accounts in Belgium and neighbouring France, pills and Hummelbeer experienced a drop of sales of 85%. But Leroy's table beers... Their simple, unsexy, low alcohol ales not only held steady in sales figures, but they'd actually experienced a small increase in sales of 3% during the pandemic. Could it be that not hommel beer, but table beer is the true beer of the West Hook? Part three,
7: healing. Actually, it was was so busy that that I didn't really got time to think too much about it. This is Peter Jan Brena, communications manager
0: at the Jan Iperman Hospital in Iper. He's telling me about working in a hospital during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh,
7: But I have a a wife and two young boys, young sons. my wife is an arch- architect. She had to work uh, from home. Um, her, her, she's uh, She works on her own. Um, so, so she, uh, she didn't had, or she had less income for months. So, it's not not been easy for a lot of people. Also, not for us. My kids uh, couldn't go to school. Um, but, but my my wife and my environment was very. Comprehending um, that, that my job was very busy the last couple of months. Uh, it was uh, seven working seven days a week, actually. Um, that's normal, I think, in a crisis situation. That's not, not a big deal, personally. Um, I was not afraid to become sick myself. I took all necessary precautions. Still, there was a small chance for everyone, I guess. Um, but I'm pretty young and and healthy, uh, God bless. So I didn't not, I I wasn't afraid for my own health. Um, But, uh, and and I don't think I've got uh, COVID-19 or uh, been sick. So uh, I could, uh, i always been working uh, continually. Uh, I have been working from home a couple of days, but that wasn't a big, uh, a a very good uh, solution for us. I had to see some people, talk to them, um, do things in the hospital, uh, physically sometimes. So it, was, it, it worked for some people, but not really for our team, actually, uh, tele, teleworking or working from home.
0: So one of the main markets for Leroy's table beers is hospitals like the Jan Iperman Hospital, where Pieter
7: works. But a lot of our patients um, drink table beer uh, with their meals uh, in in the in the at, at, at lunch, um, so we think that should uh, explain why there was a small rise or, or big rise. I don't know, in in the consumption. We also sell the table beer in our um, restaurant for employees. So that has always been open. Has has never uh, um, been closed. So some people drink uh, a, a light table beer. At lunch, um, at, at noon, so um, that that also, and I think, and uh, you know, there was also a visitor ban in uh, all Belgian hospitals, yes. and it still, we still don't allow allow a lot of visitors. Only at um, uh, only for newborn babies can the, the father and the the other children of the family come, and at uh, the pediatric uh, department, can both parents visit their child. All other visitors are still not uh, allowed to come, so we don't have a lot of visitors. Uh, but we um, we think so. Table beer is, is uh, very popular among a little bit older uh, patients, uh, and we have uh, a lot of ger- geriatric patients here. So we think they, they they can't get visit they can't get visitors. So maybe they, they drink one beer more than, than they used to. I don't know. that's, that's that could be the explanation they will is, is you don't get drunk uh, of it i th- i think you have or you have to drink a lot of it um so maybe they they drink one more uh yeah uh, i don't know to to feel a bit socially or uh, it's a, yeah i mean it's it's, it's, it's d- um uh, they have some more time
0: yeah the table beers produced by Leroy are sweet low alcohol eels. Which in the 1920s were commonly enjoyed by Belgian children and their parents at the dinner table in the place of sugary soft drinks or unfiltered water. Boc Leroy is blonde, Brown Leroy is brown. Both are 1.8% alcohol by volume. Tim Webb in the Garrett Oliver edited Oxford Companion to Beer writes, Many older Belgians remember with affection how they were introduced to beer by their parents over Sunday lunch with a glass of tafel beer poured from a genuine beer bottle. On the beer rating site, Untapped, user Michael Mikey 5 describes the Brown Leroy as a classic. User Yves M says it's meat stew beer without meat stew. And Richard B of the Buckleroy says It's terrible, but it's tradition. Breweries in Belgium have largely abandoned table beer, but because there was still demand in the Westhoek, Leroy persisted with production and are now one of a handful of breweries with a market share in that category. For generations, table beer has been a staple of Belgian family life, always there in the background, no big flavours to interrupt the important events of the day. The Leroy family had considered on several occasions to lose table beer from their portfolio, but they vowed among themselves only to do that if the people of the West Hook stopped buying it.
7: Of course, the table beer is more uh, appreciated by the other public, but still we see some younger nurses or doctors or other employees of the hospital with their lunch at noon who don't want to drink cola or, or Fanta or water who drink a, a table beer. Uh, for the taste, uh, so they like it. It's not only an older population, I guess. Uh, mostly, but not 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 all the time. Not not all the beers I hear. I drink. I drink by by older people. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I know you know I I I know a lot of people who would have you know one beer at lunchtime in Belgium, and you know maybe on a Friday with with some frites just as a different uh, way to to finish the week. Um I think in other countries it's not so common so i mean if people hear that you have younger doctors who are drinking beer at work in a hospital during a pandemic you know how would you explain to them that you know it's not it's it's not something that the hospital is concerned about
7: no i don't think it's really seen as beer that that gets you drunk or that uh, affects your ability to work it, it's it's um, it has a very low alcohol percentage uh, they only drink one not two not three of course um so it's it's with their meal not not uh they don't drink it uh during work or or so it's it's in their in their break we don't encourage alcohol use of course at, actually there there is a part of our uh, um our it's, it's a work work uh, regulation that you can't have alcohol during work uh, but yes we do sell uh, alcohol-free or very alcohol-low beer, table beer, in our employee restaurant. Um, there also, you have the time, you you know that better than me, Brandon, uh, if it's very low in alcohol, you can't get drunk or you have to drink, I don't know, very, very fast, so that's, of course, not the case. It's it's one beer during the during air break, and that's tolerated. Um, I, we, we don't see any, we don't have any problem with people uh, drinking too much at lunch or no uh, so it's not, it's not an issue actually here
1: so.
0: Eline Roussel, do you remember her? The hop farmer the agricultural consultant the hop queen contestant she had mentioned to me and I thought nothing of it at the time that her father Johan and her brother Michael drink roi table beer every single day at lunch when they're working in the hop fields so yeah, beer is representative of the Westhoek and that beer and the hop growing industry have a bright future here. But right now, table beer can also lay a claim to be the beer of the Westhoek. It's a rural region where family is the constant and where traditions die hard. For elderly people who grew up drinking table beer as children, and for farming families accustomed to sharing a bottle of table beer at mealtime. It represents a comfort, a staple of everyday life. That which hath been is that which shall be. There's nothing fancy about it, but that's the point. Amidst the infections and the deaths and the restrictions, people were just desperate for some sense of normality.
4: The
7: first first thing we want people to, to do here or to to um, uh, is is that they get better, that they heal, uh, that's physically, but also mentally. And um, if they can have patience, then if they can have uh, a beer at lunch, if the doctor, if their doctor is is it agrees, and it's not if it's good for if it's not bad for their health or for their condition, why not? Um, we're not a hotel, but still, uh, we want to give people quality. Uh, food of of good quality Uh, we make our own food and we don't uh, work with external um, for the most part with external companies Um, and we try to to make food that they like and and beverages that they like so if that's a table beer for some why not, if that reminds them of when they were younger, okay Uh, the the table beer won't uh, heal, heal them or but it's a small part of making them feel better, making them at at ease, of making them feel at ease here. Uh, so why not? It's, healing is not only uh, the body part that that has been uh, uh, undergone surgery or or their illness. It's also mentally uh, that they feel they are being taken care of in all aspects. And yeah, but it can. It's maybe a small aspect, but still, it's an aspect, like guess.
0: Thanks once again to Mike Kearney and Dave Wallace for the music in this podcast and to Leander Mouris for technical assistance. Thanks once again to Visit Flanders for their support. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share it far and wide. We love it when we hear from new listeners who've just discovered the podcast. My name is Brendan Kearney. This has been the Belgian Smack Podcast. Until next time, love what you do.